7 as it says, But there will be no gloom for her who is in anguish. In the former time he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the latter time he has made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light, those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. You have multiplied the nation, you have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. For the yoke of his burden and the staff for his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. For every boot of the tramping warrior in battle, tumult, and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Well do. Right, it's brilliant. There we go. Good evening, everyone. It's great to be here. Feels very different from this morning. It's, it's actually uh, really nice to be in a, in a small and intimate setting as well. So, uh, yeah, no, a real privilege to, to stand here and share the, share the word of God with you. Um, so, it's, uh, it's Christmas time. A week till Christmas Day. It's very exciting. And I love Christmas. Absolutely love Christmas. I love the putting up the tree and the lights on it. I, like, I love the presents. I look forward to my, my children opening the presents. Um, I love all the food and the getting together with family. There should be a slide for that, if you wouldn't mind putting that up as well. Wonderful. Some pretty, pretty pictures on there. Um, and it's just a really nice time of year. I lo- I've loved the snow this week on the ground. That's being washed away as we, as we speak. It's been really nice driving through that and just, just looking at it. Managed to, managed to go to, go for a walk this afternoon. Still in the snow. That was, that was really, really nice. And, um, I've got some good news for you. So here at the bottom right of that slide, you see some kind of cake, this cake type looking things. So I'm, I'm German originally, and there's some, some German Christmas foods that I really, really like. And these ones, they're called Dominosteine, which literally means domino stones. And uh, they're really, really nice. So they're about that, that they're quite small, chocolate coated, you've got a layer of gingerbread at the bottom, a layer of jelly, and then a layer of marzipan at the top. And they are just delicious. And they used to be incredibly difficult to find in this country. So there was one shop I, I was aware of in Cambridge that, uh, where you could buy them, Continental Shop on Cherry Hinton Road, great place. Um, but you could buy a tiny pack for a lot of money. So the good news is that Lidl now sell them in the UK. So if, if you were here this morning, you know what's coming. I have brought a couple of packs. So if you don't know them, or if you want to have another taste, they'll be here at the end of the service. And uh, please help yourselves. There might, there might even be one each or a couple each, um, given the number. So, so that's good. So I love Christmas. Christmas is a great time of year. However... Can you spot a flaw in what I've just said? Or something that's, is there something missing? Anyone? Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> um, yes, I haven't mentioned Jesus. Rather essential to Christmas. And I think another thing that 
is worth mentioning at this point as well is that with all of these things going on at Christmas and all the, the nice things in so many ways, there are actually quite a few people, probably more than we realize, who really struggle at Christmas. There are people who are lonely, people who can't afford presents, people who don't have children to open presents with or can't be with them or whatever it may be. And I think we just want to, it'd be just good to acknowledge that here. And, 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 and what, what I want to do this morning is really encourage us to, to look to the central message of Christmas, to the good news of, of Jesus coming. That's what it's all about. So Christmas is good news for everyone, whatever our, our circumstances. And that's what our passage is all about. But before we, we get to our passage, just a little bit of um, context. Um, when we look at a passage, and I think that's especially true in the Old Testament, it's always good to ask ourselves where we are in, in God's big story. So <clears throat> there you, you can see a timeline. Um, so the book of Isaiah is, is set there somewhere in the middle. Isaiah, Isaiah's ministry went from about 740 to 680 BC during the reigns of four kings of Judah. Isaiah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, and you can read their story in 2 Kings chapters 15 to 20, which is uh, definitely worth a read. So we're in the time of the divided kingdom. You can see Israel and, and Judah there. So about 200 years before, after, the, after Solomon's reign, the kingdom of Israel split into the northern kingdom Israel and the southern kingdom Judah. So that's about 200 years before Isaiah's writing. And this, this period is a period of constant ups and downs, periods of faithfulness and periods of disobedience, and sadly, uh, a little bit more of the latter than, than the former. And as we get to 740 BC at the time of Isaiah's writing, it was, um, it was a new period in the, in the Middle East. It was the emergence of the superpowers. So the first one of those is Assyria to the north of Israel and Judah. So this, this was a newly emerged strong nation that was threatening Judah and Israel. Now Judah and Israel entered various alliances to counter that threat with, with Egypt or with an early Babylonian nation, but, but that didn't really work out. And the northern kingdom was, uh, was conquered by Assyria in 721 BC, and you can see the northern kingdom coming to an end abruptly during the, the, the ministry of Isaiah. The southern kingdom is not conquered by Assyria. That was, um, uh, Jerusalem was besieged, and that was a miraculous rescue um, about 20 years after the northern kingdom was conquered. Um, so Judah survived, but ultimately Judah falls as well to, to Babylon in 586 BC, and the people of Judah go into, into exile. So the political con context was a very volatile one, a very threatening one. And God's people were called to trust him. But sadly, more often than they're not, they look to themselves or to other nations for their help. Now, and this is where the prophets come in, and it's good to understand their role and the purpose of their writings. So the prophets' main role was to be messengers, messengers of God to the people of Israel and Judah, and to remind the people of the covenant they had made with God. Their main role was not to predict the future. That's just, just good to bear in mind. So for instance, if the issue was that they were making alliances with other powers rather than trusting God, the prophets would have spoken into that. If it was disregard for the poor, they spoke into this. If it was that the people followed the letter of the law but not the spirit of the law and were proud and selfish, the prophets spoke into that. And if the people needed hope, the prophets brought the messages of hope, restoration, and deliverance. 
And of course, in the context of all of this, the prophets reveal amazing truths about God, about who God is, about his character. God is holy. God is righteous. Yes, he's angered by sin, but he's also faithful. And his love for his people is so deep that every, every prophecy of destruction of judgment is followed by a prophecy, a promise of restoration. So that's very much the context of, of Isaiah. Um, and the main themes of Isaiah exactly that, judgment of Judah, Israel, and, and the nations, and of restoration of God's people, a constant up and down, like, like the times. Messages of judgment followed by messages of hope. But Isaiah also looks forward, maybe like no other prophet, to the coming Messiah. And our passage is, is one of those that, that, that looks forward to, to Jesus as the Messiah. So in terms of our specific passage, the, the, the context is from in chapter 7 and 8, um, is, is again the Assyrian threat very specifically, and the need to trust in God and not in, in, in other powers. And, and they, they end, chapter 7 and 8, with a message of judgment to the nation of Israel as a result of their sin and rebellion against God. And um, the, the verse before our passage, so chapter 8, verse 22, is, is quite key to understanding what then follows. So it says this, And they will look to the earth, but behold, distress and darkness, the gloom of anguish, and they will be thrust into thick darkness. So that is very much the starting point of our passage. Distress, darkness, gloom anguish, thick darkness. You know, we can feel like this, and, and, and Mike has alluded to this before, there's so much going on. And this list, we can continue it. We could add words like confusion, loneliness, oppression, hopelessness, despair. We look at the world around us. We look at everything that's going on. And yeah, we can, we can despair. We, look, we can look at situations in our own lives, whether they're, they're relational, Financial, whether it's dreams that haven't come true. I mean, it could be anything. And, and often we can experience this, these, these sort of feelings that we're starting with here. And I think at this point, it'd actually be, be good to, to pause briefly. And if there's anyone here in this room who feels a bit like that, or maybe someone on, on Zoom, I'd just like to, like to pray for you at this point. Lord Jesus, thank you that you know the situations that we are in. Everyone here in this room, everyone on the Zoom call, Lord, you know where we're at. And thank you that you are a God of hope, a God of deliverance, a God of healing. And thank you, Lord, that you, that you stand with us when we're struggling. Thank you that you come alongside us, you put your arm around us. And Lord, I really lift, want to lift up anyone here who's, who is struggling who is feeling this darkness or anguish or despair or worry. And I pray for your peace, your peace to come on them, Lord. Lord, you are the Prince of Peace, as we'll come to in a minute, Lord. And we just pray for your peace to anyone here who is feeling this, this darkness, Lord. In your name. Amen. So now we come to our passage. There is hope. 
hope of restoration, hope of healing. And, you know, that is the message of Christmas. That is the message of this passage. So let's look at the first couple of verses, verses 1 and 2. But there will be no gloom. And obviously this follows on this, this previous verse. There will be no gloom for her who was in anguish. In the former time, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the latter times, he has made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelled in the land of deep darkness, on them a light has shone. And then the next verses go on to talk about the, the joy of the harvest, about oppression being broken and the tools of war being, being discarded. And, and, and these verses, verses 1 to 5, they have so many contrasts, as you can see on the, on, on the screen. Of course, light to darkness, contempt to glory, distress to joy and, and others. It's, it's such a wonderful message of hope. And just to explain a couple of things in, uh, in, in these verses very quickly. So there's the mention to, um, to Zebulun and Naphtali in verse 1. So those two were the, um, were the northernmost tribes of Israel, and they would have experienced the threat of the Assyri Assyrian invasion um, more, than other, more than other tribes, and they would have been the first to be exposed on that. So they felt that darkness very much, at the, the, maybe more than, than others. And we'll come back to those two, two tribes shortly, actually. Um, and the second reference is to Midian in, uh, in verse 4, I think. Um, and it, it, it talks about the victory over Midian. And that refers back to Judges chapter 7, um, and uh, a judge called Gideon. Who, um, who won a victory over the, the Midianites. And, and, and you may recall the story. There was a big army from Midian threatening Israel. Um, Israel mustered up an army, which was pretty big as well, 20 or 30,000, I think. But God said to Gideon, no, your army is too big. You need to send, send a lot of them home. And he ended up going into battle with, uh, with 300 men. And with these 300 men, God won a great victory. So that's very much what Isaiah is reminding us about, that it's not us who do it, it's God who does it. And he, can, he still does it, does it today. And so how can all of this be achieved? Well, you can see on the slide, to go from darkness to light. Well, of course, it's through Jesus. And, um, and it, the word for, in, at the beginning of verse 6, that's, that's the link. For, because... A son, a child is born, a son is given. All of these things are possible. Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God, he's come into the world and he's changed everything. And that is what we celebrate at Christmas. Let's read verse 6. It's such a wonderful verse. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulders and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And Jesus is the bringer of light into darkness. It's so good news. It's so good. And, you know, this passage is actually referred to in the, in, in the New Testament. So if you, if you could actually turn with me to, uh, to Matthew chapter 4, if you've got your Bibles or your, your app ready. So Matthew chapter 4, and we'll, we'll read a few verses there um, from verse 12, Matthew 4, verse 12. Now when he, that is, that is Jesus, heard that John had been arrested, he withdrew into Galilee. 
And leaving Nazareth, he went and lived in Capernaum by the sea in the territory of Zebulun and Naphtali. Remember those two tribes. So that what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. The land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. The way of the sea beyond the Jordan. Galilee of the Gentiles. The people dwelling in darkness have seen a great light. And for those dwelling in the region and shadow of death, on them a light has dawned. And from that time, Jesus began to preach, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So very clearly, Jesus using this passage to point to, to himself. And he stops at verse 2. But of course, his readers would have, would have known this passage in Isaiah and would have known the, the, the whole passage. And remember from our recent series in Matthew that, uh, that the, the primary audience of, of Matthew's gospel was, uh, was a Jewish audience. So they would have been very familiar with the, with the prophetic writings. And then our passage goes on to say, Jesus is, and I love this, the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting father, and the prince of peace. There's such a nice rhythm about these, these titles. And, um, you know, these are, these are, these are royal titles. And at that time of writing, kings often had these titles attributed to them. And it spoke of, um, I guess, what they wanted to stand for as, as kings. And so these are, these are some of Jesus's titles. So he is the wonderful counselor. He's the one who has a perfect plan. He's the one who's full of wisdom. And he's the one who stands by our side as we, as we navigate the, the, the struggles of life that, of course, we, we come across. And he is the mighty God. He is all-powerful, and he can do absolutely everything. He made everything, he sustains everything, and we know that the final victory is his. And he's the everlasting father. Now that might sound a little bit confusing because Jesus is obviously not God the Father, but remember that these are titles that are describing attributes. So he's like an everlasting father. Everlasting, he was there at the beginning, he'll always be there. And he's like a father, like a good father. He protects us. He is on our side. He loves us unconditionally. And he gives us a safe place to belong. And we can run to him and his arms are always open wide, ready to, to welcome us. And finally, he's the, he's the prince of peace. And, uh, and this, this word that's, that's translated prince in English, the, the Hebrew word is often used in a, in a military context, like commander or captain in the, in the Old Testament. So it's like he's uh, the captain of peace. He brings about this peace. He makes this peace happen, and he sustains it. And, and it's not a peace in the sense of it's just an absence of war. It's a more holistic peace. It speaks of wholeness and well-being. So Jesus has come to restore a broken world. And we can experience this by giving our lives to him and receiving his forgiveness and his restoration for our lives. And although this world is still very much broken, and of course we still experience plenty of struggles, we now know that we can do it together with Jesus, the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting father, and the prince of peace. And we know that one day, he will make everything new. Everything will be perfect. Everything will be fully restored. And that will be a great day. And I look, look forward to that. And I just want to tell you a story to, um, to illustrate this, this point of, of Jesus bringing light into darkness. 
So I recently reread this, this book by David Wilkerson, The Cross and the Switchblade. It's a, it's a relatively well-known book, so some of you have probably read it. Um, and it basically tells the story, <coughs> excuse me, of David Wilkerson, who was a, a country pastor in the, in the late 1950s, being called to New York. Completely out of the blue, he was in a, uh, in, in a farming community, nothing to do with big city, and suddenly he was called to New York, to the poorest and direst part of New York, rife with poverty, violence, drug addiction, murder even. The police wouldn't dare to enter those districts on, on their own. They were, they were really dark places. And, and these, these, these ghettos, they effectively are, they were full of broken kids. And by kids, I mean teenagers or even younger. It's, it was actually really, really sad to, to read this and what, what was going on there. Um, and these kids, they were, they were craving acceptance and satisfaction. And they learned to act really tough on the outside, to, to survive even. And they were looking to drugs and to sex and to violence to bring about this satisfaction that they were looking for. It was yeah, so sad. And so David Wilkerson is called to, to minister to these, these kids and to bring God's love to them. And as part of doing that, he, um, he met a guy called Nicky Cruz. Now, Nicky Cruz had uh, quite a background. So his, his parents were involved in, uh, in occult practices. Nicky had basically grown up on the streets and he'd learned to be the toughest kid on the block, the toughest of the tough. And everyone was afraid of him. And he'd become one of the leaders of one of the gangs. And, and this is what he, what he said about, about himself a little bit later. I didn't know why I acted like I did. There was a thing inside me that scared me. It worried me all the time, but I couldn't stop it. It was this feeling I got when I saw a cripple. It was a, it was a feeling like I wanted to kill him. It was that way with blind people too, or with really small kids, anyone weak or hurt. I would hate them. And he always felt scared, especially when he was alone at night. And it, it really felt to me that it doesn't get any darker than this. Nicky Cruz was, was rock bottom in terms of darkness. And so he then meets David Wilkerson. So David was talking to, to some of the gangs on the streets. And because Nicky was one of the leaders of one of the gangs, David goes up to him and he says, Nicky, I love you. Now, no one had ever said that to Nicky Cruz before. And he was quite shocked. But being the tough kid that he was, his response was, don't come near me, preacher, or I'll kill you. And he meant it. A little bit later... David Wilkerson then put on a, an event for all the gangs, an evangelistic event, basically. And Nicky and his gang, they, they go to the event, and Nicky's clear intention is to, to disrupt and to heckle and to, to cause trouble. And at some point during that event, David Wilkerson's asked for some volunteers to take the offering. Now, to be honest, to me, that, that, that was it's a bit funny that you take an offering at an evangelistic event, but a good job that he did, because the following happened. So Nicky then leapt to his feet, and he said, brilliant, how stupid is this guy? I'm going to take the box, I'm going to walk around, and then I'll disappear off with the money. Brilliant. So he goes round, and everyone is kind of watching it, thinking, oh, this is a recipe for disaster. And then at the end of it, Nicky stands there, and, and with a few of his helpers from his gang, with a, with a collection box, and, there's an, and he can see the exit to the street. And all he needs to do is turn around and, and walk out with the money, and that's it. But something stopped him, and he couldn't really explain it. The closest he came was that it's, it was like no one had ever trusted him with something before, and he couldn't, he couldn't let them down. 
So somehow, nearly against his own will, he turned back onto the stage and he handed over the collection boxes to, to David. And at that point, something happened in him. And all he wanted was what David Wilkerson had just spoken about. And the, the specific thing that got him was that David had said the Holy Spirit could make them start new. Whatever they had done before, he could make them start new like babies. And at that meeting, Nicky Cruz gave his life to Jesus. And the Holy Spirit healed him. And, he, and, and that thing inside him that made him hate weaker people, that was, that was just gone. And he no longer felt afraid. And it, was, it just struck me such a wonderful story of how Jesus can come to the darkest darkness and bring his light. And there's obviously the Holy Spirit was working in Nikki in some incredibly amazing way at that moment that was completely un... You couldn't have foreseen it even half an hour before. And then he gave his life to Jesus. Absolutely wonderful. And you know what? Jesus is still in the business of doing that today. Wherever we're at, wherever anyone is at, he can bring light into darkness to people who don't know him yet or even to, to believers where we, when we're struggling with something, when there's darkness in our lives, Jesus can bring light. And it's absolutely wonderful. So Jesus brings darkness to light, doom to glory, distress to joy, anguish to, to belonging. He, bring, he make war into peace, injustice to, in, to injustice into justice, and he brings righteousness to sin, um, as you can see, see on this slide. And you know, all these things that are on the left of this, this slide, the darkness, gloom, distress, etc., they all have consequences. And they are all the result of, of the rejection of God's perfect plan for us. And the ultimate consequence is death, of course. But, but, great but, God has made a way. And Jesus paid the penalty for all of that so that we can enjoy the benefits of everything that's on the right, the light, the glory, the joy, etc. Because of Jesus' death on the cross, we can have a new beginning and we can turn from darkness to light, from sin to righteousness. It's all round good news. And the last couple of bullets on here, so the injustice to justice and the sin to righteousness, that's from verse 7. Uh, let's just finish by, um, by turning there. So it says, of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness. And from this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. And how is this achieved? With the zeal of the Lord at the very end. And this word zeal, it speaks of passion. It even speaks of jealousy. And I think it's such a good news that we don't have a God who kind of shrugs his shoulders a little bit and lets us off. Now we have a God who loves us passionately, who created us in his image with a plan and a purpose. And the enemy loves to bring darkness, doom, distress, etc., and God passionately wants to rescue us, wants to bring us back to him. And he has given us, well, he's given everything to achieve that. He gave his son. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. John 3, 16. Or in the words of Isaiah, chapter 1, verse 18, 
It says, come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall become like wool. That is why Jesus came. That's the message of Christmas. And that's the message of Isaiah chapter 9. So, of course, let's enjoy Christmas. Let's enjoy the food and the presents or whatever it might be. But let's remember that Jesus, that Christmas is is all about Jesus coming to bring light into darkness. And that's, of course, what we remember when we, uh, when we take communion. The bread and the wine that represent Jesus', Jesus body and Jesus' blood, broken and spilt for us. And we take communion to remember what Jesus has done for us. And what he has done has enabled us to come from darkness into light. So if, if you're a follower of Jesus... Let's, let's take communion now, take a moment, and, and as we do that, just individually, um, take maybe a minute or so to, to thank Jesus for bringing, dark, bringing light into your life, for bringing light into darkness, and just reflect on that for a minute, and then Jess will, and the, will come up and, uh, and will then worship our God, the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace.